Hey, Jamie. Uh, this is Jamie Club of Club Chimera over in England. And we're old friends through Facebook and email and, and book endorsements and all sorts of stuff. But this is kind of my go-to guy when it comes to bouncing reality off of somebody because his pedigree is insane as far as the people he's trained with and his his attachment to actually using the scientific method to make sure that the stuff that he's teaching is legitimate is also uh second to none maybe rich dimitri i think is maybe the only other guy who's who's out there like running his stuff through a legitimate uh trial and error process to see if it actually works so I'm very excited to have you on today and to talk about so many things, Jamie. Welcome. Thank you very much, Ben. I'm really excited to be here. It's great to be on a show, particularly one with a title like yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an, you know it's an obsession of mine. I mean, in all areas of my life, I really it's it's about finding the truth. Not that there is like one truth, but I think it's more like the journey, like the seeking. Maybe it should be seeking the truth. I don't I, know. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Exactly, exactly. You always have to be wary of anybody who tells you that they have got the capital T truth. <laughs> uh, whereas, whereas the but the journey to the truth, the the search for the truth is is the important thing. And which is, you know, what we're talking about here is processes, isn't it? You know, most of the right. time, you know, training is a process, and finding the best processes for us at this particular period. So you and I, um, I've done Jeff's stuff kind of remotely on my own. You've trained with Jeff. You and I both kind of share a, a penchant, if you will, for uh, Archie Moore. He's, a, he's one of our favorites, if not our favorite. And we uh, have been talking a lot about the interview with Miss Moore, his daughter that I did uh, a few weeks ago, but we've been talking offline. So let's bring people, the listeners into that conversation. Um, what, what led you to start looking at Archie Moore? Um, I, I think uh, maturity. <laughs> it, 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 it's what I would say, uh, which is quite a rare commodity when it comes to me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love I love childish things, um, and I like a, a, a but I also like a wide range of uh, different things and different interests. But boxing, um, I love history, and I love the history of the arts and boxing history. Western boxing history is so rich. We have got so much documentation. We have got so much on Western boxing, right back to the bare knuckle days. But as I've gone through time, to begin with, you know, when you're young, you love the Mike Tysons, you love the Muhammad Ali's, you love the Rocky Marcianos, you love, um, you know, all these big names that come <coughs> up all the time. You, know, you, might, you might love the Jack Johnsons, you know, right from the very past now, because again, these are real larger than life figures and historic figures. But the longer you get into the, the, the history of it, then you start seeing certain names um, pop up uh, and they're not you know Archie Moore is incredible the, the, the lack of um, the, the lack of uh, people who outside of the boxing world who know of him it's a crime it's an absolute crime yeah and so I think it's maturity I think it became like he, he, he is like the boxing's fans are um favorite you know and i think anybody who gets in, involved in it you know that, that's when when you when you start studying the history of boxing and, and you're training it and you're you're living it and you and you're studying it at the same time that's when you start coming names like willie pep start popping up and you go who the hell's this guy you know and then you start seeing this amazing footwork um and then and, and you know sugar ray robinson's amazing but then you only but you only really appreciate it better when you start getting deeper into it and you go oh because of this this and this um but then you get Archie Moore and he just, it's just, it, I kept, it, it's a, it was a very natural organic process. I didn't just go, this guy's leaping out at me. This is the sort of thing. It just kept, that's like all roads kept leading back to him. Mm. Um, pretty much a lot of the stuff that in, in your interview um, with, um, with Jean-Marie, um, it, it, it just uh, validated so much that I thought about Archie Moore that yeah all the roads just keep leading back to him keep leading back to him you know this this is the guy who um I mean to be considered as I said to you in, in our off uh, line conversation the uh, to be called, considered 
one of the best pound for pound fighters of all time. When that comes up, when people that starts coming up in rankings in history in the history of boxing, and you see lightweights and you see the lighter divisions, sorry, like um, Sugar Ray Robinson start popping up, and you start because that's what you're expecting when you when you, when you see pound for pound, the best pound for pound, you start expecting. Okay, this is the time when you can we can shine the light on the Willie Peps of this world and the and on the lighter you know the much lighter weights because you know the the heavyweights obviously you know they they grab all the attention as as a rule. And then you see Archie Moore, light heavyweight, and you go, that's pretty heavy to be one of the best pound for pound. And he's often up there with Sugar Ray Robinson when you see it. Right. And it's the historians that are telling you that, the true boxing fans that are saying that. You know, I've, I've, it's, uh, and whenever you read a report on an Archie Moore fight, even his losses, it's an education. Uh, the, you know, his fight IQ is without doubt. And what I love seeing as well as the later years, you see the interviews with him, um, he's uh, he's so with it, you know. He's so with it as a fighter, you know. His intelligence really comes out, and that, that sharpness. And you're just thinking, the stuff that Jim Marie was telling us about protecting the head, and it's just it it it, it just makes so much sense. There's so many things that kind of matriculate back to him. I mean, you you know, you could make you could make an argument that he's he's he kind of is this this point in boxing where everything comes together. He has the arm control and the bicep control that Jack Johnson used. He has yeah. the, the head cover, which was unique to him. And then it morphs into the Philly shell, like Jay Marie was talking about. Um, and he, he even transitions at times through something that looks peekaboo-ish. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, I mean, from a, from a self-protection standpoint, that's what the defense lab guys are doing the, you know, the shapes covering the head in kind of a more Hollywoodized way, but yeah. it all goes back to this guy, his footwork, uh, Jay Marie and I talked about if, if she were able to paint his feet. Yeah. And, I love hearing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it was, he, he has this incredible footwork and this ability to kind of take these subtle angles on people while practicing arm control and protect protecting his head. There's all these things that, that are kind of becoming in vogue now, you know, uh, Dominic Cruz has his footwork video, which yeah, is yeah. fantastic. I mean, you should check it out. Yeah. Uh, the defense lab guys are doing all the stuff around their head or whatever they do, you know, like all these things are kind of coming to the forefront of the field because they're necessary. And this guy was talking about them. I mean, how many years ago, right? He was pushing yeah. this stuff and he raised up several boxing champions, taught, taught Ali the rope of dope. Uh, worked with Foreman and Frazier and Norton and all of these guys. And, you know, like these guys are the guys who gave Ali the business, right? Like who is arguably the greatest heavyweight of all time. Right. So for me, it was like, as I drilled down, I don't know if this was your same experience, but I'm kind of hearing you say this as you drill down into the history, like there's all these threads that connect into yes. this guy, right? All yeah, these absolutely. different people and champions and tactics and, and tips and tricks, you know, I, it, I don't know. I, for me, it, it's so street applicable too, right? Like you and I were talking about how uh, there's these kind of more stylized versions of head covers, crazy monkey defense, which I was an instructor in for a while. Um, and that was I love that. absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, you're right. The, the it principles, what you're talking about here is, is, is principles. This is, this, this is definitely a big, big point that was coming up in our discussion. Um, one of the last points definitely on, on more that I would like to say is that I felt he was encyclopedic when it came to boxing. You know, he, he, he could do, uh, and again, I think it's pretty one of the, the things that makes Sugar Ray Robinson um, so good as well, um, and why he comes up all the time, and also why you have that that four kings era in the middleweights, the um, Leonard Duran, Hagler, Hearns kind of era, is the idea that you have these fighters that can do everything. Right. But more could do everything, can do everything really well. Do you know what I mean? That's the, that, that, that was the feeling. It was a very encyclopedic sort of feeling of it. Now, if we bring that back down to principles, um, I think, say, when we're talking about, say, 
the problems that we're looking that we're looking at is, again stylization this is this is what we worry about stylization and codif codification of systems uh, we know why people do it um there's there's a, there's lots of reasons why it's, it's number one it's safe okay it's easy to go it, well it from a mental perspective it's safe it's like philosophy isn't it it's like philosophy and ideology dare i say it's a lot easier when someone goes here's your package yeah, here's your package. This is what we're going to believe in. This is what we're going to follow. These are the rules. This is this is everything you have to do. There you go. You only have to do that. You don't have to think for yourself. You can go on that. And stylization has that draw. And then, you know, I suppose then the work then becomes a justification for it and applicability. Uh, and sometimes a bit of confirmation bias can go into things where you can say, ah, oh, well, that's because of this and that's because of that when it when it isn't. Um, whereas I'm very much into a principle centered look. And again, maybe when we look at <coughs> sort of Moore's um, own way of fighting, you, you, we'll pick the things you pick. It's interesting because just like what you just said back then, you know, looking at some of the limb control, the Jack Johnson kind of limb control, we're looking at some of the, the, the cross covers that he was using that, that again, which we, we saw again with, uh, with Foreman and Fraser, I used to notice it a lot with, to be honest, but Norton and Fraser and Foreman and all that, uh, you know, you, you see that connection with the, with the cross guard. And then you've got the, the sort of the rope dope situation with, with Ali and all these other things. And the fact that you could fight, but you know, the only thing that people nail down with, with, with more is that cross guard when we know he does far more, we know he does far more. In fact, it's right. very, um, a bit much like your 52 blocks interview. Um, it, it's, he was he could transition so well through these different postures with the hands and this is why it's um so so you know we, when we listen and through when we look at more and study his uh his his, his uh, style it's difficult to actually completely pin down that style people end up resting on that cross guard because maybe maybe that comes out of the fact that he 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 was always trying to fight the best you know so heavier fighters and stuff like that so where safety is going to be more of a of, a, of an issue you know where where, where protectiveness is so that probably comes out maybe it's because the footage that we're seeing most of the time is against marciano is against floyd patterson is against you know people in this this heavier division that he's working um not that marciano is particularly heavy for for heavyweight but but you know it's the heavyweight division it's heavy hitters you know these are people mm -hmm. coming in really really hard and heavy so maybe that's what and so that he's going to be adopting more of a defensive posture for you know intelligent reasons you know what you know why you would do that i mean certainly if, you know you've got someone like marciano coming at you you're gonna have to have a good strong defense i mean that's going to be a you know that that, that kind of thing he's a guy who hit the limbs you know what I mean he, his attitude was like almost Filipino which to think when I think about Rocky Marciano which used to be a kind of thing where it, 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 it because his arms were, sh were relatively short he didn't have a great ape index at all compared to you know other heavyweights he just had that attitude of I will just destroy everything that's in front of me you know whatever I, I just keep and that was that kind of war of attrition that he would that he would play but not taking anything at all away from Moore, of course, who, who would, you know, you, you're naturally going to adopt a more defensive style. If most of the time you are going to the best in your division and you're, 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 and then you are trying to hit above that division, you're going into that, into the heavyweight category and finding the best in the heavyweight category as well. Let's not, you know, let's, let's not, you know, forget that he's, he wasn't just fighting. And also a career of fighting so many fights. I mean, Jean-Marie was talking about him fighting more than once in a day. Someone was it three times in one. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, and, and this is, um, and I know we have mixed martial arts tournaments and stuff like that, which is incredibly tough and hard, and hard work. And there's no doubt about that at all. Um, you know, I coach MMA, I train with MMA fighters. I, you know, I, I completely have massive respect for it, but sometimes rules actually make things tougher. You know, like, so, you know, so like boxing, you know, a round of boxing can be incredibly intense because you're not resting you know your clinch resting is a lot more subtle and it's not you know whereas you know in, in mma you can go for a more of a rest period in certain positions there's something like that whereas boxing is yeah you can clinch and you rest and clinch and the inside work is important but pretty much the rest job here is to separate you you know queensbury right. rules technically speaking you're not you're not really allowed to clinch even though it's just become this rule that with everyone does <laughs> just you know i mean i mean it surprised me when i had a proper look at the queensbury rules and said uh, and it said um uh was it uh, no no hugging or clinching again oh my and you're thinking of all these fighters that have just made you know look at the durands of this world and right. you know right you know they've just uh are the masters of the clinch and uh, and fraser as well and obviously and obviously jack johnson 
So yeah, um, so yeah, you get that sort of thing with with more that he that he's a very defensive fighter, um, and he's one of the best defensive fighters of all times. We see the cross guard, but he did everything. I mean, it's, you know, I'm really happy that Jamie Marie was talking about his footwork. As I said because his positioning and his ring, his his control of the ring was was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. I don't know if you caught it because it was brief. We just blew through it, but but offline I talked to her at length about what caused him to transition to that guard. He got shoulder surgery done. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he was he was fighting um what was it, three fights a day, taking yeah, training. Yeah, yeah. She Sometimes. talks, she talks about it, right? But he he started putting his hand in front of his injured shoulder. Yeah, he was fighting with this post surgery shoulder, and that was what caused him to transition to this kind of shape. Yeah, yeah. yeah so sure. that so that he wasn't getting punched in the shoulder because he had to fight, right? You know, he's getting what you know five bucks a fight or nine bucks a yeah, fight yeah, back sure, in the day. Sure. And and so there's this kind of out of necessity, he stumbles back. And, and you and I both know we've looked at some of the historical manuals. I mean, the cross arm guard has been around forever. It's been, been I think it was oh, first. This, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's, in, it's, uh, it's, it's you, you can see the long guard in Muay Thai. Um, right. You know, again, you, it's, it, it's, it is, and it's a natural, it's an instinctive response. Um, the quickest way to show that is to get somebody stood in the room. And again, we look at this from self-defense. And if you, you want to have a little talk about how we incorporate that into self-defense from a principal perspective as opposed to a stylized codified one. But one of the simplest things I do is to get someone to stand in the middle of a room and you say, okay, I'm gonna throw something right at you. You can't move out the way. Your job is to stop that from hitting your head. Okay, and their straight response will be flinched. They'll put their hand straight out in front of them and, and knock it away. You go, okay, you know that's when something's coming straight at you. Okay, everyone now is gonna pick something up in the room and they're all gonna throw it at you and you've gotta make sure it doesn't hit your head. So of course the straight instinct they're gonna do is they're gonna cover their head and they're gonna go down. And again, this is, you know, and I remember Rodney King talking about this with monkeys. I don't know what sort of monkey it was, but likely it's probably an ape, probably a chimpanzee or something. Um, just known from obviously my circus and zoo background, <laughs> seeing how they how they respond. But yes, they do, they, they cover their, chimps certainly will, will cover their heads when they're um, in a conflict with another chimpanzee and stuff like that. So that's quite, um, that's quite common um, it might not it might have been totally different other different species of monkey i don't know um but you think yeah I, I, we just call it the cover and uh, it's in it's present in in karate kata um you can see i can see variations of it certainly in the filipino arts and uh and the salute block in you see in in in, uh, in silat it's it's there yeah yeah the cover has been going around for, you know it's not doesn't take a genius to work out that you have to cover your head ask a golfer <laughs> shout four and see what position they hit you know, it's right. a, you yeah. know there'll be a variation on it and this is just it but it's uh yeah exactly it's um yeah um, yeah i mean from a self-protection point of view we i see it as being a regaining of the initiative and i see it's a, a victim of its own success um that, that's my other thing you know because if i'm teaching a self-protection point of view my attitude is i want to teach people once we've got through the soft skill of avoidance and all the rest of it and you're in a conflict situation the pre-fight you want preemption then you want to be keeping on the front foot you only bring in any form of covering pretty much when um you've got threats coming in from from uh different sides where you can't where you can't anticipate them so uh, you're in a crowd scene or you've got tagged okay you've got tagged and you and then you cover and then and then you come out of it and this is when we say that you know as far as i'm concerned is you know there are very there's some real real basic shapes um shapes that you just adopt we don't have to go into stylized variations of it it's quite simply keeping yourself close in okay and when you do that it's got to be mobile you don't go backwards you keep going you go forwards to regain the initiative do not you don't and it's a transitional uh, um thing so when when i teach um it's a transitional tactic um and so when i teach i sometimes compare it to a battering ram so imagine you're using a battering ram to get into imagine you're in some sort of fantasy or medieval film where 
they used a battering ram to get down the door. I know it was very rare that ever happened actually historically, but when it happened, they'd go through the door. Um, yeah, because normally it was a war of attrition, you know it was, a siege war. They never got that far with the battering ram, but it makes exciting films anyway, and stories. But it, it's a map, so the cover is, you know, you're going forward, you, char you charge forward to, to uh, jam up those punches, jam up those strikes, so that you can then get back, the, get the initiative back on, whether, it, whether it's striking or whether it's clinching, whatever you're, whatever you're going to, to do in that particular Particular situation limb control or, or striking preferably striking preferably you'll jam up their hands and come straight out of it and then you're back onto those those basic strikes and keeping that forward momentum getting back onto that front foot now if you're using it as a battering ram the the, the metaphor there is the battering ram goes into the castle knocks down the castle door and the guys keep running <laughs> you know, so it's like going you don't you drop the battering ram and you and that's it that you disperse and you do and, and right. you get back to the job because that's what it was the idea was that the soldiers are coming in you're going right we're going to go up here and we're going to you know uh, we're going to take out all these other soldiers we're going to we're going to go in there and fight them oh no there's a castle in the way you know i can get the castle we're going to get past the castle okay we're going to get through the battle no we're going to do this we're going to get these obstructions but when you get inside you don't you don't get obsessed with let's keep battering you know what I mean? It's, it's like now we need a new tool to do the job. So from a sound protection point of view, certainly from self-defense, I always think of it as like, it's like a really boring um, sentence that ends with, and now I hit you in the head. Yeah, you know, it's always, it always goes back to that. I always, I always say that to people. I say, when it comes to that, you know, and I did make differentiate between self-defense and personal security. You know, self-defense is the hard skills. It's the legally defined hard skills. Something that you're gonna, you know, and yeah so you you um and it ends with that boring question so it goes like you know someone comes into your space someone comes into your personal space um and they're a confirmed threat you, you you try to aim to hit them in the head okay that's what you're aiming to do and you keep trying to hit them in the head they their hands come out coming come in there and they block and that you you keep going to hit them in the head they grab your wrist you hit them in the head they grab you grab your wrist you're going to hit them in the head and it keeps coming back to hit them in the head and it, comes, it ends up going i cover them i hit them in the head you know, you know exactly i grapple into a good grappling position and then i'm going to hit them in the head and it just keeps going like that and ends with and then i make an exit obviously you know that's that's what i teach on a basic self-protection thing it's a very boring uh broken record uh, for older listeners stuck on repeat for slightly new enlisters and i suppose it's equivalent of uh what mary Stevens calls a, a gif <laughs> as and it keeps on going up and it keeps repeating repeating and i hit in the head yeah well you you uh you and i kind of have parallel journeys in in self-defense yeah. or self-preservation or whatever you want to call it yeah. <laughs> and you or i i don't know who found her first but sylvie von douglas oh right yeah yeah i've, ne I've never uh, met i've never met her i've never communicated but her material's brilliant fantastic right i mean it's yeah. the it's the muay thai version of what we're talking about yeah. and how to work elbows from the cover yeah. and all yeah. sorts of other tools that are that are outside of the boxing arsenal but this yeah. same shape yeah Absolutely. for covering your head how yeah. to throw knees how to do all this stuff so so we we started talking about her years ago i mean yeah yeah sure. was it, two years ago three yeah years yeah ago? absolutely yeah i mean time just flies but yeah 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 and it def definitely um yeah her, her material is, is is brilliant um but what a dream you know just to go out there and and to also give everybody this material from all the teachers she's working with i mean i can relate to that completely that's that's how i that's how my career happened with martial arts you know i Luckily, um, somebody thought I was a half decent writer, and that was Jeff Thompson. And so he he, he recommended me to a martial arts magazine, um, and they liked my stuff. And then I suddenly started landing all these interviews. But I the deal was that I only wanted to do interviews with people who I wanted to do interviews with. And what I used to say is, um, well, if I'm going to interview you, you kind of kind of train me because I've got to know what you know. I've got to understand what you're doing. So <laughs> that came the way that, that that I ended up getting so heavily involved. It, it expediated my cross training. I'd always been a cross trainer before then, due to my remote location, having to travel around the country to to learn and train, and sometimes organically move on. But it was great. I ended up having these little intensive training sessions and meeting people like Mo Teague and um, Alan Gibson. And, um, and obviously, obviously, I worked with, you know, kept going back to Jeff and his teachers as well. And getting exposed to, you know, people who I probably never would have gone in contact with, people like Chris Rowan, who has come from a very traditional karate background, but has got a, but shows me just um, 
how connected we all are in many ways you know to hear to, you know to hear somebody standing there who's um been through plenty you know lots of plenty of reality and plenty you know but then it, but it stands there in a hakama is a shinto priest trained with gogan yamaguchi and he's there telling everybody um, i don't like the idea of styles cross training is a good thing you know, you need a pressure test. You need to, you know, pre, you know, preemptive strike is not is not an anathema to karate. It's supported by it. And where's all your zanshin training? I mean, and why you guys you're giving it? You're all giving it lip service at awareness, but nobody here's actually can define what what awareness means. What it, how do you practically apply that? What was the you you put out a, a video a journal kind of on that the the cross training in the martial arts at one point right that's right two DVDs yeah he was part of that there was, Summersdale um, I put the idea to Summersdale to do a documentary we did a two part documentary on DVD um, and it started with Jeff but it was Jeff Mo Matty there was there were a lot there was there was a lot of people there was more people in the second one than was the first one there was about um, ten I think on and Peter Constantine's in there Ian Abernethy my my very good friends on there as well and it just and there was a time when we all actually they were teaching in, in a dojo for the second DVD. And it was wonderful just to watch these teachers who in their own right have got a huge following and respect training together and the other and the other teacher teaching them. You know, you know, they're there, they're working through their drill, putting everything to one side and just absorbing that information for the time doing it. You know, and it's uh, and, and we, you and people who wouldn't think likely would be getting together doing it you know as well so that was uh that was great for me just to see that connection that was that was about the time that i was working through uh the 10 dvd set on jeff thompson's masterclass material sure yeah 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 and then so so i i bought your dvds and you wrote an article uh well it was about john anderson i forget the title oh of it. right yeah 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 yeah. that's a, yeah 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 john awesome anderson yeah so Okay, so what happened was, was that, again, it all starts with my, with, with my connection to Jeff. Um, so when I was about 18, um, I, I, um, I'd been a martial arts fan for, since I was been about 13, 14. And, um, and despite, you know, <laughs> being around the circus and, you know, seeing plenty and experiencing you know, my own fair share of fights, I, I really bought into a lot of the martial arts propaganda. Okay, the commercial propaganda, because essentially I lived out in the sticks. So when you live out in the sticks, contrary to popular belief, you don't get access to all the best clubs. Uh, you, <laughs> in fact, you get the ones that are pretty much on the outside rim, not taking anything away from some of the instructors out there. Some of them were great for what they did. But the journey I went on, I ended up going from a rather obscure sort of start of system um, into a very commercial Taekwondo um, environment and um, and, and I kind of got, I bought into it a lot. And, and I was getting told off all the time for contact. I was getting, you know, there's all these things that I'd learned prior to that, that, you know, that I was mixing up. And I was really, you know, in many ways I was getting feel guilty about stuff. And then I got into it with some of the circus guys. You know, we had a bit of a, um, it's not to say we had a, it wasn't like a, a um, an assault or anything like that, but it was, a, you know, we were going to, you know, have a bit of a, we had a bit of a set to amongst ourselves. What they call, what you'd call, um, what they call being a good, uh, good Carl. That's a, that's a, uh, no, have a good uh, have a good core, which is the fight circus flank to fight, having a good core. So we had a fight with some of the guys, and they weren't just all circus guys, but it was that environment. Um, and oh, my nose was just blood coming out of it, and uh, and I was going and, and uh, I was throwing these kicks, and I was just I got so used to just being you know the man with the kicks and loving my kicks, and my leg was getting caught and I was getting thrown to the ground and. And it was just in the end, I was like resorting to grabbing hold of someone's shirt and just throwing loads of uppercuts in. And uh, and that was my way. I was kind of defaulting back to stuff that was pre-training. And I was defaulting back to stuff that I was using when I was 13 years old and stuff like that. And I was thinking, what the hell? Up to that point, I've been this avid martial arts reader and, you know, reading all these magazines. And, and, uh, and this Jeff Thompson had turned up on the scene. And he was, and it looked like to me, he was just being completely disrespectful to everything that was there. I mean, you have to remember, I was a guy who, I, I kind of got pulled into because, you know, despite what people tell you, and there's this idea that if you come from a, a, a really, um, like a tough background, or I'm mean, not that I came from a tough background, but, but in a circus life isn't, isn't necessarily easy. You, you get exposed to a lot of very tough people. So despite seeing all that real reality, you know, reality and reality of violence around you, um, you, you're not impervious to nonsense, 
right? You know, it's like it's like very intelligent people believing in something completely wacky and people go, well, how can they believe in that being that intelligent? And you go, well, if it gets to them early enough or if there's something about it that they've got an attachment to, they'll do that and it'd be worse to get them, their cognitive distance will be so strong for them to get out of that thinking. The same thing with a tough person or a person involved right. in who know who's seen violence. <clears throat> you know, they I've seen this some really, really tough people, some absolutely nasty people who can handle themselves, who will believe the most ridiculous mystical nonsense from the martial arts world. Utter crap. You know, I mean they will actually tell you, you know, that you know, no touch knockouts work and stuff like that. And I've actually I've actually heard that from people who could easily, you know, you know, knock out, you know anyone in your, like your, in your local martial arts school. I mean, just, I mean I've just seen some, uh, some real examples of that. So anyway, um, you know, so despite being exposed to this, being around a lot of good fighters, boxers, and things like this kind of thing, um, I, I bought into the martial arts propaganda. Martial arts was my thing. So suddenly Jeff turned up on the scene and I'm reading the magazines and he was just putting it all down. All I was seeing him doing was promoting, to me it was just like he was promoting boxing and wrestling. And I was going, what? You know, you're a karate guy. What are you doing? All this? What are you telling everybody about? You know, what? Where, where's? And I was really, and it was just a big. It's hard to explain to everybody. It was a, such a shock to the system. It was just before UFC and a lot of stuff that was going on. That you know, he was doing it when all this thing was going on. And after my experience, I knew he was right. <laughs> I came out of it, and so many things that he was saying, I was going, he's right. And then. I heard that somebody's written to him and they, they wrote a letter in the magazine and they said, oh, I wrote to Jeff Thompson, he wrote me a nice handwritten letter. It was really helpful. And I thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going to buy a couple of his books and I'm going to write him a letter and just, and just tell him about my experiences and, you know, and, you know, what I've found and all that sort of thing. And absolutely sure to form, handwritten letter came straight back from Jeff Thompson in record time, along with the books, talking about my specific situation, giving me advice, telling me what I, you know, what I should be doing, you know, because at the time I was saying, look, I'm training to be an, an act, you know, a martial arts performance act, because I want to go back in the circus or cabaret or something like that's what I wanted to do at the time. Um, but I'm conscious that my martial art training isn't, isn't effective um, or, it, or it's lacking in some way. And, and, he, and he just, you know, he just gave me the best advice. And then I intended to go and train with him. But it didn't happen. I ended up um, going to a kickboxing class. I left my taekwondo, went to a local kickboxing class, got into full contact. My journey went off in a different direction. Eleven years later, and I'm uh, my, my wife. I'm I'm living with my wife to be um, just outside of Birmingham area, and uh, uh, just near sorry Coventry, which is Jeff's stomping ground. And I'm in my Muay Thai class, and. And somebody at the, in the class there, a guy called Steve Mayle, um, I was training with him and he was talking about Jeff. He was going, he was going oh yeah, it's Matty Evans. Is, um, you know, I, I go to Matty Evans's class and stuff like that. And so I thought, I'll get back in touch with Jeff again. So I got back in touch with Jeff and, I was, and that's the time I was struggling to get articles in the magazines and all this sort of thing. And Jeff liked my stuff and he recommended me to Marshall's Illustrated, but he also said, you know, when you do training, go straight to Matty. So I went to Matty. Did private training with Matty. He was wonderful. We became lifelong friends. Great guy. Um, got introduced to Tony Summers, another one of Jeff's instructors. And then eventually I met Jeff. And Jeff was wonderful. Absolutely great. It was just an emotional experience for me. It was, it was uh, 11 years later and I finally got to meet him at the seminar. Uh, and then later that year, I met Peter Considine. Again, the guy's been a mentor to me in, in, in all the people in the, the British Combat Association, the World Combat Association. And just so helpful. Everything that's right about martial arts was, was these guys. They restored my interest. Of course, I ended by that time. I was getting exposed to all the. I, well, I had been exposed to a lot of corruption. This is like eleven years on from my uh, waking up moment. Since then, when I went on my journey, I discovered the real dark side of martial arts, and that came in via the kickboxing. Different, different time, different story. But I saw all the shit out there, and um, and and so I'd really got jaded at different periods and things like that. But then to see Jeff and what he was doing, it was. In many ways, it revitalised my interest, and I got. And then from him, I got introduced to Mo, and that's and that's when it all sort of came up, came together. And I and and the writing was allowing me to interview all these different people, and I was able to uh, bring it together in a documentary. I just said to Summerstar, I said the, on the first one, I said, "Look, you know, you've got footage on these DVDs. I'm a massive geek for all these guys, so I can put this stuff together. I can help edit it with you. I don't know anything about editing, but I can sit down with your editing guys and tell you what what, what can go where, and I'll just narrate it for you and just do that." And they went, uh, and they were doing a seminar at the time to promote, uh, to video like a master's series they were doing at the time. And they said, oh, um, okay, yeah, we'll do that. And they, they did it and it was a big success. 
Um, and the instructors all loved it because it was all great for them. They, everyone, and that was a great thing, you know, because now you've got people who would buy Chris Rowan stuff and never look at Jeff's stuff. And then suddenly they're like Jeff's stuff. And you've got people who get Alan Gibson stuff and, um, you know, Alan Gibson would, would get it for him because they love the Wing Chun. And then they'd see, um, you know, um, and, uh, you know, Rick Young, you know, is on the DVD and and uh, Peter Constantine and suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, I want to check some of that stuff out as well. And it was all coming together and, and I'd linked it. And, the, and but there was a quality control here because I when we did the second DVD, this time Summersdale went all balls out. You know, they went the big promotional thing. They was all fresh. Uh, most of it was fresh material. Um, they sent somebody up to Edinburgh to interview Rick Young. Um, so it was all, you know, it's really, really, you know, it was great working on it. And we brought in more people, more, more teachers. But there was quality control as well, because they they were trying to start to see it as a way to highlight new people on their books that they, they were coming up on, on their DVDs. And they started putting them towards me. And I went, I'm not putting this person on, involved in this. I'm not just in disrespect to the individual, I, but this, his stuff does not sync with this. You know, this is cross training and I'm promoting a universal uh, feeling amongst martial artists and hoping to expose and break down prejudices and giving people an experience. But we don't do that by accepting everything. You know, this is why when I teach open mind as a tenant um, in my self-protection, particularly <clears throat> to, to children, I say this doesn't mean empty head. You know, an open, an open mind is a very critical mind. You know, a true skeptic is actually one of the most open-minded people going because their attitude is saying, um, whatever you present to me, I'm going to give it a fair hearing, but we've got to test it. You know, right. it, it, it's just going to say, if you've got something, you know, that, that the, their attitude should be, you know, you're really enthusiastic about this. That's great. Let's test it. Okay. And then we'll find out if it's good. And and then that's, that's generally it. So, and that kind of what happened, you know, we, you know, and luck I mean, the instructors stuck behind me as well. That was a great thing on them. I said, look guys, you know, this is what they're asking at the moment. And uh, um, I, I'm not going to go with it because, you know, it's my project on this side of it all, but I'll, you know, one of your views and Jeff was actually the, you know, the real voice said, no, you, you, you can't have that. It, it'll, you know, it's going to bring down everybody else because that material, you know, you know, basically it was, it was, it was some, you know, it was stuff that we didn't agree with altogether, but it was it was it was like going well. You know, really now you're really really stretching it. So yeah, that was essentially it. So you know, it was great times doing those DVDs, but that was towards the end of when Summersdale stopped doing moving out of martial arts. So a, a lot of things changed after that, but it was a wonderful time, and it brought me together with some really really good teachers. Well, the 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 material was fantastic. Your writing is great. I mean, I, I when I was I have probably fifty pages of notes on the ten DVD masterclass, um, and I data mine that interview from I, I basically stole it and put it in my notes. I'm not gonna lie. The 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 article the the interview that you had on John Anderson. I mean, I went through that thing with a fine tooth comb and took quotes out of it, and I found. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, found yeah, yeah. John was sorry. John was linked to Matty. I went off on this great big rabbit hole, but John was linked immediately to Matty because Matty got John to right. teach. I mean, that was the best thing, you know. Uh, uh, sorry, Matty got John to teach. Uh, uh, you know, it was um, you know he wanted his teacher's teacher to be involved, and um, and John, you know, never taught in a formal environment. This this was it, and uh, so I said, well, you know. I'd like to interview John, you know, can I, you know, could I do that? And, um, and again, this was completely new territory for John Anderson. I mean, it's a, the guy's experience and knowledge on handling um, self-protection situations and what he's seen in terms of urban violence, you know, is tremendous. And the stuff that he, he's got to, you know, got to say. So, and again, that was great to be able to meet him. And again, I got to train with John and uh, I have to try and find that video that I've been to him training me because this is brilliant, the things that he brought forward, things that stuck with me, um, his adaptions on the fence and his drills were just just great. Um, so yeah, it was it was good. I mean, it's a shame we didn't get John on. He, John would definitely have been recommended for the next DVD after that. So it never happened, but it was great. And his interview was great. And, and, and I interviewed him twice, you know, because because Matty came up and said he, he'd read some of it, and, and John still wants to say some more, you know. And I went, yeah, that's cool. Let's, let's keep it going. I'm, you know, I'm happy to do that. So I went and did that, and it was it was really good. It was, um, and I got them both to do their own uh, seminar so, so we could get John Anderson and. Matty Evans seminar so we, we did that we promoted that and it was really um it was really successful and um and it was good just to see you know 
John on the on, on the seminar scene. Um, I, I did. I said we did the first one. I did. I, I did the first one. But after that, now I started seeing John and Matty being booked everywhere else. I mean, Mandy was already being booked, but uh, it was the first time we got John out in front of a huge pub, you know public audience, and it was great. It was. Um, no, it was good. Um, yeah, on the notes. Yeah, the master classes. Now I think. They came about, um, at least Jeff's self-defense course, he brought in a self-defense instructor course, which I did with him. I didn't do the, I did do the real combat system, but I never went through uh, the grades or anything like that. I and mean, I trained personally with, with Matty and then obviously with Jeff. Um, and Jeff invited me to, um, uh, to train with him at six o'clock in the morning. I used to go, the, yeah, we'd go to um, one of his instructors, a boxing coach, um, uh, Glenn, uh, Glenn Smith runs Red Corner Gym and um, it's a brilliant boxing gym in, 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 in Glenn, like, like all of Jeff's teachers, they're just, you know, they're, 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 they're fabulous individuals and you could just sit and listen to them all day, you know what I mean, the stuff and, and train with them just because the knowledge and, and they're incredibly um, humble as well, that's the, you know, that's the other thing you get, about, you, you get with them, you know, they're very, um, they're, they're not self-promoting at all, um, they, they you just hear just them telling you about the information, the knowledge, and, uh, and and obviously the experiences. But anyway, we used to train there at six o'clock in the morning. Um, Jeff and he invite a couple of other people there. And after a while, he thought, well, maybe this this would be better put into a into a seminar format. And and that's when the next series of seminars and Jeff came sort of out of because he he hadn't been teaching for years. You know, he hadn't been teaching publicly for years. But that was like his way to get back into teaching. Uh, and he did it on the seminar circuit. And that was the master I think that's the master classes came out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so I, I'm going through the DVDs, right? Because I'm in the States and I'm I'm yeah. I'm rewinding, stopping, taking notes, rewinding, stopping, taking notes. And and it was the DVDs led me to doing Google searches, which led me to your articles, which mm -hmm. led me to your DVDs. And it was this whole like rabbit hole thing <laughs> that I went down where, um, because I, you know, trying to make sure I have the most complete understanding of the material yes. and, and your stuff, your article in particular, your, your two articles actually on John Anderson, uh, were, were hugely helpful because his perspective on it is so non-traditional, right? He's yes. not a martial artist. He's that's just what about, I, absolutely. That's what he's, yeah, yeah, he's just about like taking dudes off the planet, and <laughs> and and his methodology for doing it and his way of summarizing it are so like people like oh street experience this many street you can tell this guy's like yeah no this is what <laughs> you do this is if you want to waste somebody this is how you do it yeah. and he talked about in that interview with you he talked about walking around the bag with his hands in his pockets yeah punching the heavy bag from his pocket and doing all these these things that you could tell that he just cared about knocking people out, right? He wasn't yeah. interested in anything else. And he perfected this kind of system that then Jeff learns and Jeff picks it up. And then it kind of disperses to the planet from there. But yeah. it was your interview that that I, I didn't know who John Anderson was. I hadn't, oh. read, I hadn't read Watch My Back yet. Yeah. So it was your interview that then then I read Watch My Back and then I learned about all these. It was a fantastic interview. I don't know if you still have it out, but you if you don't, you should re uh, reinvigorate it, put it back out there online. Yeah, it's on my um, it's, 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 it's I've broken into three parts and it's it's on my uh, it's on the blog. So, it's, so you can actually see it on the on the website. So it's, it's back in the web. it'll be under the category uh it's insights and reflections um quite a while back so i did yeah i did, I, I did get it back out there um so it is on the blog but it's but it, i mean i write blog posts several you know several a week because I, I write up my lesson reports and things like that so you know i, I left it all there but what you what uh, struck a chord with you is exactly what struck a chord with me it was the idea that it was this completely informal way of training and he didn't he didn't quite like it that i promoted that in that way to begin with and he said um because he, he his view <laughs> was like you know well well i did get trained you know i did get training he went to boxing gyms he did go to but he hung around with boxers and fought boxers and sparred with boxing for anybody he you know he could um and uh and he was experimenting in training but as you said it was this completely it came from 
it didn't come from, as you said, non-traditional. It didn't come from any sort of formal background. This is what got me and this is what impressed me so much and what was so fresh and what, what helped drive Jeff and definitely what attracted Jeff, I'm sure. You know, he went there and he saw this raw, this raw efficiency that wasn't coming across in the martial arts. The martial arts had gone so far away from this, certainly in the traditional world at the time there, but, it, you know, across a lot of things. And, and that's what John brought. And again, when you meet the guy, you know, he um, certainly when I met him about uh, how long ago was this ago now when I met him about 15 years ago um, he walked into the gym into and it was again Glenn's gym again um, and he didn't need a fence he had this aura about him you know where you just he, 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 people just kept a, a good distance respectable distance when they were talking to him and he was and, and you know he was really friendly i mean don't get me wrong he's very very friendly but he had this presence about him that, and that had just come from years of dealing with that and again this comes from um being severely bullied to begin with physically bullied um, racial bullying that he experienced up until um i think it said up until the age of 16 i'll have to have to check that where he took this until the day it, it he fought back and it was just a conscious decision where he fought back and in his mind it was an attitude of saying what more can you do to me you know what i've had I, you know what so i get a beating again you know this well i've had beatings now for nearly all my life from you guys so uh, but i might have an advantage here because you haven't you know and so in his mind that's that's what he said started motivating him to do that and then perfecting as you say this 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 knockout which he says is the nicest thing you can do to to, to an enemy is to knock them out and he says that generally the nicest thing you can do to them because then it doesn't have to get nasty then you don't have to get into rolling around on the ground weapons getting involved eye gouging and biting and all this sort of thing you know it's a clean clean knockout and provided obviously they don't get killed as my great great grandfather did <laughs> okay um it's uh, it's probably the, it's, it's the safest way for everybody involved you know and the cleanest way for, for everyone involved and that's and that's what he trained and he trained at such close range yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, Jeff always talks about him hitting somebody with that lead left left hook um, so close that they thought the other doorman had done it, <laughs> and the doorman got congratulated for doing it. So, well, yeah. it's it's a so so. There's all these people that kind of again, if if uh, if we're talking self protection, in many ways, Jeff Thompson, at least in the UK, is the Archie Moore of self protection, right? Yeah, like he's. Sure. He's connected to Alan Peaslin and Maddie Evans and yeah. and uh, Anthony Summers and all, all and, teachers, and, yeah. and and Glenn Smith and all these other people that you've talked about. Yeah. So that again, this rabbit hole of of which in many ways started with your material. I mean, it lasted me. I think three years. I was doing. I was like excavating. The, yeah. the Jeff Thompson method. I got all of Alan Peaslin's DVDs, which I love. I mean yeah. it. As far as material, like like presenting Jeff's material in a way that you could actually get an idea of what it's talking about, the restriction training, the defense yeah. work, you know, yes. all the stuff. Alan Peaslin's DVDs are fantastic. Oh yeah, and, and, and I, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, and again, to speak to Alan, you know, he's got so much knowledge and so much insight. As you say, it's where he articulates. He's very good at, at articulating, and I, I loved it that he called. Uh, his first um, book on on the on the Jeff Thompson, um, the Real Combat Method, uh, when he, fence concepts. Right. Coming back to our point, it's a concept. It's not a technique. And this is where because you people often hit you with when, when it's when you get the critics, which is inevitable with everything. It usually comes off the basis of this problem with stylization and codification that that, that we get, and they start with a straw man argument. They go. The fence doesn't work you know if you do this it doesn't work and you go yeah don't do that <laughs> and, and uh, yeah i mean this is really really good for uh, for listeners <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I, i'm putting my hands up in a static in a static position um as you would see in a photograph that you know jeff's trying to explain in a book um as an example but of course martial arts students being the literal God bless them that they are. <laughs> it's uh, um, they're going to think this is the fence and this is the fence and you know and uh, and it's a static position and it's just a stance because it absolutely it's not. It's a concept and that's that was I'm glad I'm grateful that uh, Alan Peterson did that that, that that he that he made the point of labelling it fence 
concepts. When it's a concept, it's great. And and he does such a fantastic job of of articulating it, like you said, and then demonstrating it. Um, and and so as I'm as I'm digging down through all of this stuff, which which again I, I can't I can't thank you enough. But you your your stuff led me to all this other stuff. It was the the ten DVD. Uh, masterclass and then your your writing which then branched out into everything else but for some reason this this idea like you said Jeff uh, John Anderson talks about how knocking someone out with a single punch is the nicest thing you can do and I think for sure the addition of maybe striking from attachments they don't fall and split their dome on the ground is a is an ethical addition but but it didn't catch on in the United States for some reason, I don't know why, right? Um, I don't, I've, I've had discussions about this with people many, many times, different big names in the United States who I'm not gonna throw them under the bus. Um, but for some reason, this idea of the, the fence and you get these really poor knockoffs, right? Like in, when I was in South America, you would buy a, a Bibas. It was like Adidas, but with a B, you get a lot of that, <laughs> yeah. right? People, people yeah. like really poorly knocking off Jeff's stuff yeah. and, and, and bashing this idea of the single punch knockout and training for the single, the single strike knockout, let's say, in case yeah. you slap or do whatever else it is you do. Yeah. But it is a it, it's a very viable thing and it's safe, right? Yes. Like it's safe for anybody. You can you can find my wife can throw an elbow and knock somebody out without breaking her hand if she trains it enough. Anybody can do it. Yeah. And once somebody's unconscious, it doesn't matter if they have a knife, it doesn't matter if they have a gun, it doesn't matter whether they got 10 black belts, you've negated their entire game, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So part of this, this interview and part of like, as we kind of get to the, the, the end, all of my interviews are like a way of saying thank you to people that have like been a big part of my journey. You're a huge part of my journey. And I would strongly recommend anybody who's interested in, in self-defense, get on Jamie's site. It's called Club Chimera uh.com i believe he can plug himself at the end i'm not trying to plug for him but there's so much information jamie like he said does multiple blog posts a week there's tons of videos that he's put out he's worked with everybody that's a major name from let's call it the jeff thompson school i mean you've 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 been with them all you've sat at the feet of the masters for lack of a better way of putting it with everybody over there that's in some way associated with this method, right? Not that we want to methodize it and, and codify it, but for lack of a better way of, of naming it, that's what it is. And there's an, it's, there's like a treasure trove of information on your site. Not only that, I reached out to you. You've never failed to answer me back within 24 hours. You're 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 very responsive. You're very articulate. You have an ability to break this stuff down that I think most people don't have. And you've gone out and you've even got, brought, you know, pulled in the the Sylvie Von Douglases of the world and all these people from different uh uh areas in combat, if you will, after kind of having your roots in this really practical way of dealing with things. So I just, I really want to just make sure that I take a second to say thank you. Um, and also to just draw attention to you and what you're doing. Anybody who really wants a really, really deeply excavated explanation of this Jeff Thompson British school of, of self-defense, which in my personal opinion, like you said, once you've been, you've had it handed to you a few times, you wind up realizing that most of what Jeff says is true, right? Yeah. You wind up going, yeah, that works. Um, and I think anybody who's been in any real fights will know once you start reading through this stuff, this is, this is really what you're probably going to need to do and train the most if you want to survive. 
Um, so again, just thank you so much for jumping on. I know we're getting close to the end. I know you have a class coming up, but, um, you've been a huge part of my journey and this is just my way of maybe getting my, my handful of listeners to come and look at your site and, and have, have you become a part of their journey as well. Um, anyway, I don't want to go on and on. I don't mean to gush. (laughs) It's it's been it's been wonderful, Ben. Thank you so much. Again, you yourself, you've you're 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 not slow coming forward with your own information and education. You certainly helped me a lot with um, a lot of the calisthenics training and methodology. Um, thank you for showing me so much on accommodating resistance. It was, it was become a great part of uh, <laughs> of some of my um, my own uh, training, some of my weight training, and and plenty of other stuff. The ideas that you that you've put forward it's uh, it's changed a lot of my conditioning training and this show this podcast it is becoming a treasure trove of information for some of these people it's just it is a, it's a real joy you're making my my dog works and any menial tours that i have to do um so much more enjoyable just by listening to these great big discussions from these really wonderful people that, that, that you've got in contact with and exposing to again this is this constant journey you just keep discovering new things um you know my knowledge on things like 52 blocks was incredibly poor um up until not even a week ago and i listened to your podcast um you know i'd pretty much written it off as a, as a whole you know that was coming up on my kind of imagined martial arts sort of thing i wasn't quite sure about that but just listening to the knowledge and information and uh uh, from you know from from your interviewee um you know uh, you know like burley is definitely you know a person i'm, I'm going to be researching more on um you know it's uh, it's great enough he sees a lot in you and, and, and what you're doing um it's great stuff ben so it's a good service and we talk about jeff being the person that's that's helped um inspire and motivate me and move people on there i mean Motig became a, a very uh, present coach in my life after that, who again was inspired by Jeff, um, very much his own thing as well, but they, they're, they're, they're of the same family, so to speak, you know, in, in martial arts world, um, did so much with Mo. I mean, Mo's, Mo is still to this day is just a constant source. And Peter, who again, Jeff looked to as a mentor himself and, and still I can pick the phone up to Peter most of the time. And he's got plenty of time to talk to me about virtually anything, you know, whether it's helping to do the business side of it all, whether it's training, um, exemplification. But, um, you know, look at these guys and you can look at John Anderson, back to him again, back to the person who helped teach Jeff. What I was fascinated with John was that he was learning stuff from Matty. Yeah. So, you know, now this is super humble. Yeah, he's super humble. That's what I mean to say. I mean, Matty is a phenomenal teacher and absolutely. I mean, I was very privileged to the times that I trained with Matty. Absolutely. You know, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's in the stuff he did, the early Valley Tudo competitions. I mean, again, he could teach so much. A really good teacher and a good friend. Um, But, you know, he's he is, you know, Jeff's student. Um, and gone off and done his own research, his own training. And then John's come back learning from his student's student, willing to yeah. come learn from his student's student to get the extra grappling and to improve upon that side of that. And that's what was lovely about that kind of environment, that kind of attitude, just sharing. And, and uh, you know, there was, it just was no, there was, there was a flat hi- hierarchy. You're just listening to people's and learning from people's experiences. Uh, and again, very privileged to be a part of that but that just to see John do that that would that just push me on and then to know other people you know who I went on and uh, work with all the best ones were cross trainers and they were fluid cross trainers I should say they weren't systematically necessarily cross training they were just organically moving on to what they needed in their game or what they needed to move towards or just something that interested them that was going to open them going okay I'm going to give that a go I'm going to try that what can that help what can that bring to the bring to the table so um yeah I mean big inspiration there and you yourself uh, Ben, seeing what we do with the podcast just shows you that willingness to open up to um, to what's out there. And let's you know, you know, let's hope you know the time. Don't mean to date this too much, but um, at the moment, obviously, we're in a in a we're in a national lockdown that we're talking to. We have the COVID nineteen pandemic. We have, uh, but people are very restricted with their training, very restricted with their travel and interaction with other people. You know, this is the time that we should be doubling down on learning more. Now, learning on our education, our time to communicating other people you know and you know we've got the technology at our disposal and we've got stuff that the the the, the, even 
even Jeff's generation of masters didn't have. You know, we've got this access. We can just get a hold of people and do what we're doing right now, just both, you know, and talk to, and, and the best the best instructors are open to it. That's just it. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, the, the really good ones will go, yeah, I'll train you. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll, I'll work with you, you know, if you're willing to, uh, um, and if you're enthusiastic uh, and you have the interest. So, yeah, I mean, in many ways, we're living in the best of times when it comes to martial arts. For sure. And you're doing Zoom sessions with with people and uh, uh, there's there's uh, there's people that you and I have kind of we have co-connections to through Mary and others through the through the podcast. Um, but but really just take a second to just kind of I don't mean to make it commercialize it, but but plug your plug your website and everything so people can find you before we jump off and then we'll we'll wrap. Well, as you said, Ben, um, uh, clubchimera.com is, is the best landing site, and it's spelled um, C-L-U-B-B, um, so, as in my name, Chimera, C-H-I-M-E-R-A.com. Okay, so clubchimera.com. Uh, and that's where you'll find the link straight to my Facebook business page, the YouTube um, channel, uh, Twitter, um, LinkedIn. Um, I'm on the main social media, Instagram. I'm on all the main uh, social media outlets. And uh, there's a great community there. Um, you know, you'd be made more than welcome. You know, I'd love to hear from more people. Um, check out the podcast, please do. Uh, that's just the Jamie Club podcast, um, which I often keep calling the Club Chimera podcast. So, because uh, I'm awkward like that. <laughs> but it'd be listed as the Jamie Club podcast, but I, I always call it the Club Chimera podcast on the show. Uh, that's, that, that's just to keep people thinking. <laughs> uh, keep everybody but, uh, on their toes. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. All right, sir. You have a great day. Have a good class. And thanks again so much. Thank you very much, Ben. It's been a pleasure. All right. Absolutely. Have a great day.